this treasure in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're going to talk about this treasure in earthen vessels. We're going to explain what that is, focus a little bit on the treasure, focus a little bit on the earthen vessels and what that means, make an application, and then we will be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you today as we reflect on the importance of your virgin birth at Christmas time. God, I need you now as I preach. Give me clarity of mind. Father, I pray that you'd help me to say that which needs to be said. I pray the truth would be clear. Lord, help us to realize how important the treasure of the gospel is in our life. And how we in our flesh, we want to focus on everything else sometimes. Bring us into focus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In April 2016, Harper's Magazine published a fascinating report about a man named Jay Miskovich, who found what he claimed were hundreds of emeralds from a Spanish shipwreck that went down in the year 1622. The Florida Keys have long been a hunting ground for sunken treasure. So many vessels were wrecked among the islands and reefs, loaded as they were with billions of dollars worth of gold, silver, and jewels being shipped to countless Spanish armadas as they sailed from South America to Spain that they still attract hundreds of seekers after true treasure. Jay's samples and claims that he found masses of emeralds that were still out there were estimated to be worth half a billion dollars. With the advice of a partner, lawyers, and jewel experts, millions of investment dollars were collected from private individuals, Wall Street managers, and a company specifically set up to protect this enormous find. The article paints Jay as a sympathetic character. He is likable in ways that make you end up rooting for him. Most of those who contributed to his project were individuals or companies who only cared about what monetary value could be gained from owning or selling the priceless jewels for themselves. In the end, the world discovered that Jay Miskovich's entire story was manufactured. 
It was made up. It was fake. He made it all up, including deliberately seeding the ocean floor with emeralds he bought on the market. Exactly as he hoped as false claims drew the interest of treasure hunters. But down the road, as unaccountable discrepancies surfaced, such as the Belgian jewelers finding an epoxy resin on the surface of the emeralds that could only have been added in modern times. And as one by one, the investors pulled out the entire story unraveled. Along with investigations came lawsuits, loss of friendships and family and a poisonous atmosphere of distrust and anger. What treasure in this life are you looking for? What treasure in this life are you looking for? What is the thing that preoccupies your mind of trying to get? What is it that most of your Google searches or most of your book reading and most of your conversations revolve around? If we were to take your life, it's so funny how many of the Christmas movies that people watch are are basically centered on Christmas time being this time where they finally see themselves for who they are and they finally get a clue and they finally really uh, realize the true meaning of Christmas, whatever that means in the world today. We know what, the, what it means biblically, but in the world's movies, whatever that means. And they finally see themselves for who they really are and they come back to reality and they finally become this genuine person. But if we were to hold a mirror up to our own lives... What is it that we are seeking after? The passage we're talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 is coming and it's written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that every word of scripture is written by God. God is the one who spoke these words in the Spirit to these human penmen, they wrote down the words. But in doing so, just as you and I would write something out by hand, we would all have a little bit different handwriting. Some of us, our handwriting cannot be read very well. Others have handwriting that is so clear it looks as if perhaps it was printed out by a computer. In the same way, the Gospels, we can see the personality and the personal stories come out in Scripture. And in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 2, the Apostle Paul is talking about a personal struggle that he's going through. You see, many years before, he had gone to the city of Corinth, and he had preached, and many people had gotten saved, and a church had been started. But this church was... Very, very carnal, very, very worldly, very sinful, very selfish. They fought constantly. And so that is what the, the book of 1 Corinthians is written for. It's written to correct this very, very carnal, worldly, sinful church. 2 Corinthians is kind of, uh, it, it kind of comes back and in some ways it praises them for taking correction. But it also finds new things which the Apostle Paul had to correct. One of the things that he's correcting in this 
is that they were questioning what right does he have to tell them what to do? What authority does he have to tell them what to do? So in some ways, parts of the book of 2 Corinthians are defending his apostleship. That he had divine authority to tell them how Christianity should be practiced in their churches. And of course, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing letters such as this, which are the very word of God. And God has the authority to correct a church in what they are doing and not doing. What I'd like for us to see from the context of these scriptures is, as he says in verse number one, therefore seeing we have this ministry. So again, he's defending himself in the right way and he's going about and saying, hey, let me explain to you why I have the authority to say these things and do these things. But as many, many times, nearly every time in the Apostle Paul's writings, when he starts to talk about himself, very quickly the subject turns to Jesus. Very quickly the subject turns to his salvation. Very quickly he turns in this passage and says, look, I don't have the right to say these things to you because I am who I am or because I am who I am in the flesh because of my education or because of my background. I have the right to tell you these things because of what Jesus did for me, and as it's described here, and because of the treasure that I have in my spirit, the gospel, my salvation. And from that salvation, he has the calling from God to be an apostle. You see, when he's confronted here about his authority, listen, when he's confronted here about his purpose in life, he goes back to the fact that he's saved. Now, Paul had a lot to glory in the flesh. If we take our Bibles and go to Philippians, just a few pages over, Philippians 4, Philippians 3, Philippians 3 and verse 4. Now, we're getting into the doctrinal part. We'll hit the doctrinal part here just for a moment, and then we'll start making it practical and start understanding the passage. Okay, It's so important when we, when we read the Bible, when we preach the Bible and teach the Bible, that we understand the context in which we're coming from. Okay, This is how false religions get started. This is how cults get started. Uh, is we take one verse and we take it and we begin to twist it around and we begin to make it say what we want it to say. And because it has a scripture verse title next to it, the, the naive and the innocent will look at it and say, well, that's what the Bible says. But we need to make sure that we interpret the Bible correctly in order to let the Bible say what it's actually saying. Let its voice be its own voice and not steal that voice and try to twist it into making it say something that, we, uh, that it never intended to say. And so Philippians 3 and verse number 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So now he's talking about his resume. Paul's talking about his resume. Okay? In the flesh, he's talking about just me as a person. Okay? And notice he's talking about confidence. When we're talking about treasure, uh, let's, let's just kind of, uh, I have cookies and books. 
by the way. This is a little commercial. These books are free. Grab one. Take cookies home. If I don't do that now, I'm going to forget. But that's a quick little mental break there before we dig into more scripture here. Notice he says in verse number four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He's talking about, listen, the source of his confidence. Where's your confidence? What's the source of your confidence? He's talking about a pretty big resume here in just a moment. He talks about his birth, where he comes from. Many people are confident in that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Begins to talk about his education. Begins to talk about his zeal, right? How hard he's worked at his job. But then he goes on to say, none of these things really matter, right? None of these things are really the treasure that is so important. He says this, verse five, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That doesn't mean anything to you or me. In the Jewish culture, that was a big deal. Of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, right? We can almost think of him almost as a biblical lawyer or almost like a lawyer of the Old Testament books, right? Verse six, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, you see again how he begins to shift. He's talking about himself and he says, in the flesh, I've got a lot to boast about. I could have so much confidence. One, uh, one commentator said this, that the apostle Paul had the equivalent of three PhDs. I don't know if you have three PhDs. I don't. I don't know many that do. But it'd be very easy to walk around with a lot of confidence knowing I've got three PhDs and nobody else does. Not only that, but the zeal, what he was able to accomplish in his career, so to speak. He could look, he could look at everybody and say, look at this confidence. I can do this and I can say that and I can do that. And when I'm challenged, boy, I've got the resume to back up. But really... What is it that was the treasure where his confidence was found? What was the true thing of value in his life? It wasn't his background. It wasn't his accomplishments. It wasn't his education or his intelligence. It was his salvation in Christ. Verse seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now, again, we're going through this doctrinally. I'll give you an illustration here in just a minute. I'll whet your appetite by putting it up here. Okay? We good? He's saying all of this incredible resume, right? It's so good, he says, but if I, if I allow this to go to my head and it, it makes me a very prideful person and I find that confidence in myself, he says it's going to severely limit my relationship with Christ and severely limit my potential, which God created me for. Okay? Now, again, let's go back to 2 Corinthians Four and verse number seven. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have three things here. We have the treasure, we have the earthen vessel, and then we have that the excellency of the power may be of God. Let's talk about the power just for a moment. 
He's talking about that the power in order for him to be able to have this ministry with the Corinthians, to be able to correct them, to be able to, and he did so very graciously and very kindly under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was all pleasing to the Lord, but he had this power that God had given him. Where did this power come from? It didn't come from himself. His purpose did not come from who he was as as just a person. It didn't come from the natural born talent that he had. It didn't come from the natural born eloquence that he had, or perhaps the the prestige that he got in public because of of his pedigree and his background and and his race and, and the things that his parents had done for him. He didn't have power or value because of these things. He wasn't going forward in life based off of these things. He says the excellency, the power may be of God and not of us. And he says that this power, this authority, or, or, or this purpose is from the treasure. It's from the gospel. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, all of us are excited to get presents. Marcus and I went on a walk last night. We took the, the dog out for a, a nice walk. You know, a puppy, walking a puppy is a unique thing, especially small. Thank God he's small. How, how much does he weigh? 12 pounds. Praise God for 12 pound puppies, right? Because the first half of the walk, he walks on his back legs, not upright like a human, but he's straining against the collar and he's just like pumping his back legs, like hopping the whole time, trying to go faster. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't let him do that. I'm, I'm trying to wear him out. Amen. I'm trying to wear him out. And, um, but Marcus was asking me, he's like, what, what do you want for Christmas, dad? What are you hoping that you get? What's on your list? And I said, well, it's a little different for grownups, but for kiddos, man, they have a list and they have like, I really, 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 really want this. Right. And, and they tell everybody and, and, and they, and, and, you know, they make a YouTube video about it. They don't, but I'm just saying they tell everybody, this is what I want. And man, I'll tell you what, you know, when, when those presents get under the tree, they're just, oh, and they're thinking, that's it. That's the one. That's it. Got my name. It's got my name on it. It's got my name on it. I think that's the right size. And boy, you got to watch them close. Otherwise they're going to, I think that's it. And you hear the, the, the Legos rattling around and obviously that's a dead giveaway. So you are, so you wrap the Legos individually. No, I'm just kidding. We would never do that. That'd take forever. Um, but we're all looking forward to giving and getting presents, right? Uh, it shouldn't be the most supreme thing at Christmas, but it's a part of the holiday. All presents will come in a package, right? If somebody doesn't wrap their present, it's not really a present, right? My gift to you is me. I really hope somebody doesn't say that to me, okay? Um, Give me something to unwrap. All presents will come in a package, okay? I remember we went to this amazing... Uh, church many years ago, and um, they had what they called a missionary Christmas. It was in July, June or July, and they they had four or five different missionary families for their missions conference. They sat the missionaries down, and they brought out all of these presents. I mean, we were overwhelmed. We had no idea this was going to happen. And one of the things that they that they gave me um, was. Uh, not in that moment, but later it came, was a watch. And it came in this box. Okay? Now, it's, it's heavy. Look, one. 
it has like a, a huge, man, look at that. Lot, lots to know about this watch. Lots of languages. Amazing. Praise the Lord. And then big click. Oh, disappointing. There's just the band. Right? But here's the, here's the, the fancy case. Now this, this is, this is a, it's a very nice watch, right? Expensive, beautiful. I treasure it. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm wearing it right now, but there's two pieces. Okay. There's the treasure. What's inside the gift. And then there's the earthen vessel. Okay. Now, typically the more expensive a gift is typically the more beautiful the packaging. Isn't that true? Okay. You, uh, usually if you buy like a $4 watch from Walmart, which is fine, there are days to wear watches like that, right? Uh, you're painting a wall. Don't wear the nice watch. Wear the, wear the Walmart watch, right? The, the packaging isn't going to have a lot of put into it. It's going to be cheaply made. It's going to protect it mostly, right? But it's going to be cheaply made. But the more expensive of a watch you get, let's just say watch or something else, the more expensive the packaging will be to protect it. And, and, and you guys, I heard you. When I opened this up, I heard some people like, oh, what? <laughs> right? Now this packaging does not say cheap watch. Right? Does not. Pastor, why'd you keep the packaging? Because it's nice. <laughs> it's nice packaging. Right? And... Uh, And here's some extra links. It's got a beautiful manual. Very thick manual. Instructions for use. Mode de employ. I'm guessing that's French. I don't know. French speakers are going to say, Pastor, that was the worst pronunciation. Look at that. That's incredible. Okay. Um, this, is not, this is not a complicated sermon. How silly would it be for me to look at this beautiful watch and put it aside and only be concerned about the beautiful packaging? The packaging is nice, but the packaging is not permanent. The packaging is not permanent. It's, it's for a purpose. And its purpose is to protect and surprise, really, but mostly to protect the gift. The gift is what is truly valuable. One day, let's just say that somebody had a watch like this and they, they needed to sell it or they wanted to sell it. Perhaps they'd get a little more money if they had the proper packaging. But really what that person wants in exchange is they really want the item. They want the actual watch because that's what's valuable. That's, what's the, that's the treasure we see that? Okay. Now, guys, what was happening with the Apostle Paul? And it says this in other places. But basically with the Apostle Paul, they were looking at him as a person. They heard his speech. Uh, some people say that the Apostle Paul perhaps was bald. Some perhaps say he was shorter. Some people say that his, his speech was a bit rough or maybe hard to understand. Or There's all kinds of theories out there. Yeah, he had health problems. The Bible says he had a thorn in the flesh, which is kind of like a, 
uh, a way of saying he had some kind of health problem. So, so when you look at him, the Bible says that he didn't necessarily look like somebody that was, that was physically impressive or perhaps even, uh, even somebody that you, you'd look at or, or even listen to speak and say, man, that guy's unbelievable. Guys, if we can say this way, when, when, when the Corinthians were struggling with the authority of the Apostle Paul, they were not impressed with the package. They were not impressed with the packaging. And guys, if we can just say this, so much of what this world cares about is our packaging. Some people's entire life is given to packaging. What does that mean? It means that we're so preoccupied with the temporal, the temporary, the temporary body that God has given us, the temporary things. Some people, some people are so wound up about the climate. Do you believe in global warming? Guys, honestly, I don't know. There's evidence, there's not, there's theories, there's conspiracies, whatever. But can I just say this biblically? The planet is just packaging. It's temporary. Let me read you a verse. Second Peter 3 and verse number 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements will melt with fervent heat. What are elements? I don't have the elements chart memorized, but I'm guessing it's the elements. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. What is it talking about? The elements, the earth, the works. It's talking about packaging. Let's look, let's look just at a few scriptures. I'll read them for you for the sake of time. Earthen vessels. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It says, in Jeremiah, nope, let's, let's look at Romans 9, 20 and 21. It says, nay, but O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Some of us are so worried about what God is doing to us physically, our packaging, finances, housing, temporary things. We really want that. We really want this. We really want that and this. We really want all these things. Listen, some people are only interested in God in order to get better packaging. Their whole life is wrapped up in the temporary. I want to live for this experience and for that experience. Is it wrong? No, it's not any wrong in having nice packaging. But the thing, guys, it's not the treasure. It's not the treasure. Now, we all as little kids, we love playing with large cardboard boxes. Who doesn't? That's amazing. But eventually the cardboard box gets thrown away. And eventually you're left with the actual gift
Mark 8, 35 and 36 say, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Verse 36 is so powerful. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Okay, let's, let's bring this home. Now, there's so much more I could preach, but we're not going to for sake of time because we just need to make the point. God has given us an, given, given us an earthen vessel, our body. We're valuable. Listen, we're valuable. God created us. He became one of us. We are valuable. But my friend, what gives your life the greatest value and the truest purpose is what God wants to put inside of you, which is himself, which is the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels by comparison Our bodies are nothing compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friend, your body only makes sense when we have the gospel inside of us. When we have a relationship with him, then it all starts to make sense. When we have have our sins forgiven, then it all starts to make sense. When we hear about Jesus and that Jesus loves us and that he chose us and that he created us, He has power over us as clay. The Bible likens us unto clay. Does he not not have have power over the the clay? Doesn't the potter have power over the clay to make it exact? And some of us are, listen, some of us are so preoccupied with our background. Painful experiences in our background. Listen, my friend, if you never experience pain, you never get to experience his grace. Let me say that again. Some of us are so angry at God for pain that we've sustained in this life. We live in a sin-cursed world. And some of us are so angry at God, he's trying to give us the gift of his grace and his forgiveness and a relationship. And he's trying to give us purpose. And he's trying to give us power. The kind of power that really matters. He's trying to give this to us. We're so angry No, I hate the packaging that you made me into. God, why did you make it square? Why couldn't have I been round? Nobody wants to be round. Why couldn't it have opened up like in the middle instead of opening like this? And my parents were like that and my background was like that. And look at all the injustices in the world. We live in a sin-cursed world. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And so many people are so preoccupied with Jesus saving politics. And Jesus saving the finances. Jesus, you need to stop that war over there with Hamas and Israel. Let me tell you something. If all the wars from here on out ceased and ended, people would still die. And they would still go to a hell that was created to judge the devil and his angels. He's trying to give us a treasure. Do not refuse the treasure because you're preoccupied with the package. Preoccupied with a bigger house, more money. So many people completely turn their backs on God 
in order to run the rat race that is here in Toronto and everywhere in the world. That's not just the city, it's everywhere. Pastor, I'm looking for purpose. This box, I don't know what else it could be used for other than a fancy watch box. It could be used for other things, I'm sure. Listen, it makes the most sense it makes the most sense it makes the most sense when we put the two things together the packaging and the treasure gift. You're searching for meaning for your life outside of recognizing that God has given you a gift. Now I'm looking at many faces and I know your stories and I'm many, many, many here know Christ as their Savior. How tragic to have the treasure and put it aside and still only focus on the, on the box. So many people live empty, 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 confusing, hurtful, unnecessarily painful lives. Because for one reason or another, they refuse to live by faith. They refuse, listen, they refuse to let the gift truly define them. The gift of salvation is meant to forever, thoroughly, and completely change who you are. It starts from the gift of salvation. The Bible calls it growing in grace. You let the gift begin to change you. Coming back, the Apostle Paul says, guys, you're looking at me. You're looking at me in the flesh. You're looking at me physically and saying, who does he think he is? Where is the power coming from? How can, he, how can he say those things? Bodily in presence, he was weak, Paul says. He says, look, I have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, all of you are dying to know what kind of brand name this watch is. Some of you. Come up after, you can see it. I don't care. It was a gift. It was a gift. See, what happens is when you have a fancy box and you have a beautiful gift, everybody wants to know, oh, who, who made that? Who made that? And once you have salvation and you let salvation begin to change your life, all of a sudden now, Life begins to be about him. Who changed you? How do you have purpose all of a sudden now? When you're threatened by people who try to treat you as if you have no value? Listen. How all of a sudden you stand up with gracious kindness, but an unexplainable strength? That it's not in your education, it's not in your background, it's not in your paycheck but something deeper than that. You can tell them, 
Let me tell you about the gift. Let me tell you about the one who gave me the gift. And we begin, we're proud to wear his name. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Are you preoccupied with the packaging? Are you angry at the potter for making you a certain way? Listen, God allows pain very, very carefully, meticulously, cautiously, like a surgeon with a scalpel, not like a butcher with a cleaver or like some deranged individual with a chainsaw trying to hurt people, but like a loving, caring, educated, understanding surgeon with a scalpel allows pain into our life so that we can experience his grace. Do you have the gift? Do you have the gift? If you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Let me ask you another way. Does your life have purpose and meaning? Why are you here? You're trying to find meaning in the packaging. And it's really difficult to find meaning with with the packaging without the present inside, the gift, the treasure. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My life makes sense. Oh, pastor, what's your background? I can tell you about that. What's your education? I can tell you about that. You probably won't be impressed. What about your experiences? I can tell you about that too. Let me tell you what the real treasure in my life is. It's Christ. July 25th, 1999 is the day I trusted Christ as my savior. Church kid on his way to hell. I'm telling you, it changed my life forever. It was a matter of growth. Everything didn't change overnight. It was growth. Like from a seed, like a plant growing. Slowly, slowly, my life began to change directions. I'm so thankful. Life isn't perfect. The Apostle Paul had the treasure in his earthen vessel. He had had salvation in Christ. But man, he still had people challenging him. You read about his life, man, he had challenges all the time. But he had an anchor for the soul. And it wasn't his education, it wasn't his background, it wasn't his money, it wasn't his experiences. It was Christ. If you die today, are you sure you go to heaven? My friend, you can, if you're willing to repent, allow the word of God to change your mind and your heart. You embrace Jesus with all that you are and call upon him for salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That promise is for you. You are a whosoever. You can trust Christ today and it'll change your life. You can begin to build your life. Allow God to build a life for you from the inside out. Christian, are you preoccupied with the packaging? Are you preoccupied with this world, with the earthen vessel? The world tells us to find our value in things that don't last. To find causes and things, then that cause won't last. There's lots of good causes around. Is it the best cause? No, because it won't last. Good people finding a cause, but the cause won't last. All of this is going to be going one day. 
allow God to build a life where the core value of everything you do is because he saved you and his grace is growing you into a person of strength and power and mercy and integrity. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you today. You're so good to us. Oh, we're so distracted by what is visible. And it's not wrong. Father, you, you've created, human beings are cr- amazing creations. We're, we're, we're just beginning to understand how amazing you have created human beings to be. Amazing packaging. But Father, I pray that our pain and the packaging and our background and would not distract us from the true treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Lord, I pray for the one or two that are, perhaps they're upset with you. Maybe they, they misunderstood. Perhaps they've had a crisis of faith. They're trying to do right, but they're not focused on you and they're not focused on salvation. Perhaps it's not what they thought it would be. Lord, help us to realize the true treasure in this life is you. You are the water that we're thirsty for. You are the bread that we're hungry for. You are the treasure that we are seeking after. And everything else in comparison is a scam. Help us not to live a life of being scammed by the devil. Help us to find true purpose in you and what you're striving to make us into. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness and kindness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your